3: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
4: Ron and Anian. This year they finally allowed me to start mowing my own lawn, and now I'm like, <laughs> and now I'm like driving that lawnmower around, and I'm going, I wonder how much faster I can make this thing. It's a riding lawnmower with a jet engine off a Chinook helicopter.
5: Are you out of your mind? You put a jet engine on a lawnmower? I got to be a
4: macho, macho man. The car doctor. I reach in there, and I took the coil wire, Hello. and I went, dink, and the truck fired right up. And he looked at me, and says, how do you do that? And I went, I- I- I often think that, well, everybody goes through what I go through, but then again, maybe not. I have to start wearing white T-shirts, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. We're going to start off a little different today. In that, you know, I'm always wearing an RA automotive T-shirt. You never really hear me mention the shop. Everybody knows I've got a repair shop. Obviously, I've got to have a repair shop. You can't know what I know and do what I do if you don't do that. You've got to be able to fix cars, Right. You know, they ask me, when are you going to retire from the shop? Well, when I stop doing the radio show, which I don't really think is going to happen anytime soon, God willing, right? Because you got to do this to do that. And, you know, when I leave the shop, I I never wear my work clothes. I, you know, a pair of blue jeans and an RE automotive T-shirt. And I never think twice about it. And, you know, I'll stop somewhere last night. It was pizza night, right? So like all across America, everybody stopped and got pizza. It was Friday night. And uh, you know, I went to the same pizzeria I always go to here in Franklin Lake, New Jersey, and um Uncle Louis we got a little plug for Uncle Louis Uncle Louis, nice pizza and um I came out, and the car parked next to me is getting a flat. Now, I don't know why God does this; he just likes playing with me a little bit in the sense that he just gives me one more to fix before the end of the week, right before the weekend finally hits. And I look at it, and I said, yeah, that tire's going flat. And the guy, the owner, he's coming up, he's carrying his pizza, and he, he, you know, he's, what are you doing? I said, you know, you're getting a flat, sir? And he says, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, they haven't been able to fix that. And I said, well, I said, there's, you know, I said, if they looked at the tire, and he said, yeah. And I said, and there's nothing in it, right? And And he says, yeah. And he says, they can't tell me why the tire keeps going flat, and they want to change the tire, but the tire's new, and I really don't know what to do. I haven't been able to figure it out. And I launched into this, explanation of why tires that have nothing in them leak. The consequence of either corrosion around the stem, it was a late model GM, well not late model, it was probably seven, eight years old, and the aluminum rims, they corrode and they rot. And my belief system is that the calcium chloride or whatever chemical of the week we're using to clear the roads in New Jersey, if we get a little bit of ice or snow or the threat of it, and we dump 12 tons per square inch, and it just overloads the system, and it gets jammed up in between the wheel, and it gets in between the wheel and the tire, and it it, it rots the rim. And everybody's had this, right? You've, You've had the issue where they tell you you need rims, and I explain how you've got to take the tire off, grind it down, and now his wife gets out of the car because she's listening to this. And I said, grind it down and, you know, bead seal it. You put a rubber bead seal around. It. And I explained this whole thing. It took about six minutes. And, and, and he was just, okay. And she was fascinated. She just, like, and it's always great, right? I, you know, I always appreciate an attentive audience. And uh, this woman was really into it. She's like, wow. She says, why do I feel like I'm listening to my cardiologist? She says, nobody's ever explained things like that to me. And I said, I don't know. I just like being precise. She said, thank you very much. She says, I've been telling my husband to have somebody look at it. She goes, it it, it sounds like what you're saying makes sense. And I walked away. Now, on the back, it says, of the T-shirt, it says, R.A. Automotive, Home of the Car Doctor Radio Show. I mean, it's just something they made up, and that's what they put there years and years ago. And she looks, and I'm walking away, and she turns to her husband, and she says, because... And thank God for the pandemic. It kind of made this fit because I was wearing my mask. She says, do you know who that guy with the mask was? And her husband goes, who, the Lone Ranger? And she says, no, that was the, and I was, I was in the truck already pulling away. Swear. It just, it was another car doctor sighting. It was the funniest who is that
6: thing. Look, yeah. up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Anian
4: You know, I can always count on Tom to interject that, but that's exactly how it happened. And it always makes me giggle. Um... You know, and I just kept thinking, I've got to start wearing white T-shirts because this way nobody will ever know. And, you know, that's why I do this radio show. That's one of the reasons, because it's nice to know that people know who you are in that sense, that maybe this show is reaching people and doing what it's supposed to do. And that is help you fix the car. Help you to understand what it is to fix the car, and that the majority of guys out there trying to fix cars are competent. and There's a couple of bad eggs, and we're trying to dispel the myths and just bring precise and clear information. And that's, but that was just the way it went. You know? Do you know who that masked man was? Who the Lone Ranger? That isn't exactly what he said. There was a, there was a dirty word in there which I can't say on public radio, but. Um, uh, he, he he's from Jersey, so he had to make it a little bit more dramatic. He was annoyed that I'd uh, taken so much of his time, I guess. But um, that was the gig. That was Friday night. The pizza was good. I went to bed afterwards. I took a nice long nap, so I'm ready to go today as we kick off the car doctor this hour. We're also we're going to be giving away a $25 O'Reilly gift card. I'm not sure if it's this hour or next hour. That's up to Tom Ray. He is the producer, as always, today. He's the man behind the scenes, uh, running the microphone, making sure you can hear me. And uh, Tom will decide when you call in, Uh, you know, he's going to be listening to calls for, uh, I'm not sure what, this is the Father's Day edition of The Car Doctor, so maybe he's looking for a Father's Day theme, you could ask him. And, uh, you know, pester him for it. But uh, we are giving away a $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card today. Find out more information about O'Reilly Auto Parts at OReillyAuto.com. Down around the bottom of the second hour, second hour, not this hour, we're going to be talking to Ted Bradley. He's the vice president of PB Blaster. And Ted's coming by to talk to us about, well, the differences in and how to choose a penetrant, a lubricant, and kind of dispel the myths. And um, he's got a really cute story he was telling me off air about how PB Blaster came to be. Another another company that was sort of invented by mistake, and uh, it, it grew into the giant that it is in the industry today, leading the way in terms of rust penetrant and uh, PB Blaster, uh, or, you know, a rust, rust, uh, rust dissolution, rust dissolving, um, as it is. But let's do now what the car doctor likes to do best. And uh, real quick, let's go to the phones and open them up before we take the break. Rich in Delaware, 96 Bronco. Yes, sir, how can I help?
5: Yes, uh, I was explaining earlier. Uh, what I'm having a problem with is the uh, AC. Everything works normal when it's on normal mode, normal AC.
3: And
5: if I accelerate heavy, like I'm getting in, getting into traffic or passing a vehicle, the blow from the vent will cease and then start to the blow from the defrost. Okay. And if I'm traveling in normal and I'm normal AC and I switch it to max AC, it'll do the same thing no matter what. All it'll right. I'll just automatically switch to the uh, defrost van. and that doesn't seem to do it when it's on heat.
4: Fairly, fairly original uh, truck, Rich. Fairly original under the hood. Yes. You know, it's, it's it's an unmolested vehicle in a sense. Look over on the look over on the passenger side. Is there a black canister? Um, it's either going to have the black plastic canister or it's going to have that long metal can that looks like a giant soup can. Is that on one of the fender wells yeah. somewhere? Does it have that?
5: Uh, it has the uh, black casing around uh, the content- uh, what's that, The uh, condenser to where I believe it's in there. Okay. I don't have the hood open right, right. now. Yeah, but... yeah,
4: yeah. So so <laughs> you're going to find ba- – basically what I'm asking to, asking you to look for is – there is a vacuum reservoir under the hood. It's usually on the passenger side, and there's a very, you know, there's a probably 3 16 quarter-inch diameter vacuum line going to it. It's going to have a red stripe on it. Red stripe for Fords of that generation uh, signified manifold vacuum. So, A, you should be able to find that line where it plugs into whatever shape canister it is. With the engine running, pop that line off. You should have good suction. You'd be able to put your thumb against that, and you should feel some, you know, pulling your thumb in you should have some good positive suction there if you do then the next step is does that vacuum canister still hold vacuum either okay. you know either you're going to put a vacuum hose on it and you know inhale and see if it holds or you're going to get a vacuum pump pump it up does it hold vacuum that is a vacuum reservoir what you're describing to me is when the engine goes from a state of heavy vacuum to low vacuum because you're wide open throttle your foot's in it uh, you're you're losing vacuum supply to the dash controls, and it shifts the blend doors from high to low, and vice versa. See,
5: okay, all right, because now I, I'm under the hood right now looking at it. Right now, there is a semi-almost rectangular, it's rounded on kind of on both ends, where you have your AC fill side, right.
4: Yeah, no, and then no, you this got is... that
5: canister and right in front of that's another canister, which I can see the hoses. So that's uh, that's obviously your vacuum canister, right?
4: Is it a, is it a black hose with a red stripe?
5: Uh, what I have here, it may have been red at one time. Yeah, yeah okay. I look further back. There's. Right.
4: Right, it gets worn a red line, it, it gets worn a away.
5: A red, a yellow and there's two blacks. Go ahead.
4: Right, yeah, it gets worn away. But that 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 hose with the red stripe, that black hose with the red stripe, that signifies manifold vacuum. There should be whatever engine vacuum is, 16 to 18 inches of vacuum there. That's your heavy vacuum supply. That is the vacuum reserve tank for the AC defroster vent system that keeps the doors in their correct position. So you've got to start it, feel for vacuum and then check it possibly with a hand vacuum pump to see if that tank still has integrity. One of the two, one of the two is a problem. If both of those pass, then you're going to have to trace the vacuum line that's going to go through the firewall, somewhere that line should branch off and feed the firewall, which is actually feeding through the firewall to the vent vacuum controls under the dash. Does that vacuum switch under the dash have a good vacuum supply? If it does, then you possibly have a bleed off from the vacuum switch inside the dash itself, but 80% of the time what you're describing to me was a vacuum tank problem. Start there, call me back if you need more. All right, sir. Well,
5: that I'm glad I, I'm glad I did call you because my first my first thought was the blender door. Yeah, diagram. no, let's
4: let's let's uh, make, let's make sure we've got good vacuum supply. All right.
5: Well, I understand. Start A, then go B, C, D. Yep, absolutely.
4: All right, kiddo, if you need more, call me back. We can talk about it any time. I remember those systems very well. Have a good rest of the weekend, sir. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, coming back right after this.
0: It's the little old lady from
2: Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice
4: done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's go over to Mary Lou from New Hampshire and talk to her about her 2010 Hyundai Santa Fe. Mary Lou, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help?
6: Well, I have this automobile that when I bought it, um, it seemed to be okay and I wasn't not a highway driver often. Well, I started using the highway a couple of times. It would kind of hesitate when I tried to pass the car, you know, like to go from 55 to 65 or whatever. It would, it would hesitate a little, it made me nervous, but um, it happened a few times. So I went and I had a diagnostic done on it at a dealer, Right. and they, there were no codes, but it said the transmission fluid was down a little, so they topped it off and they said I was good to go. And um, since that time, it's gotten worse. I took it back to a different gut, just my regular mechanic, and he checked the fluid. It was down a little bit. They so put a little bit in it. And he said, you know, he couldn't do anything else for me. And now it's gotten a lot worse. So when I went back again, they, they said there's two options. You can either drain the transmission fluid, flush it, and put in new fluid, and that might work, or it might make it worse. And you might end up losing the transmission, so now I don't know what what I should do,
4: okay, so you bought this car used, and Correct. is it out of it is it did it come with any kind of a warranty? Yes,
6: yeah, thirty days, but that was long i have yeah. had it for about nine months now, okay,
4: so we're past that, so it's it's not that they're yeah. gonna buy this back, take it back, et cetera, even though you've been battling this since day one. it sounds like, yeah, how many miles were on it?
6: One hundred and thirty-one five. Okay,
4: and how many miles were on it when you bought it? Approximately, do you know? One hundred and eighteen. Okay. So, and and this is unfortunate, but this is this is probably one of the top complaints for this generation Hyundai. There are, you know, if if you were to go look through Hyundai archives, um, the last bulletin number that talks about this that I'm aware of as of and, and mark the time, the date, and the calendar is 13-AT-009 that talks about harsh.
6: Now I'm going to write
4: that down. Can yeah. I just write that down? Sure, you sure can. 13-AT-009, and that bulletin came out from Hyundai. That was May of 2013. That's an old bulletin, but it talks specifically about harsh and or delayed upshift and some of the an- analytic things that they wanted done at the time to repair it, they were having issues with these cars when they first, they were three years old. That bulletin, I remember this. There was four evolutions of that. It started off with ten, then eleven, then twelve, and then thirteen, uh, as far as as far as a, a TSB number. That being said, these trans has had some issues, and I and I'm sort of going to give you the answer and tell you what I think happened here, um, all in the same sentence. I think what happened was these transes had the ability and they still do now, but this was more in the infancy of, of adaptive adjustment. They could clear fault codes and the trans would run normal for a couple of hundred miles. Is is, is that the case that it seemed good at first and then it gradually got worse? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um and and my suspicion is they knew this trans was a problem when they sold it to you. Not that that's going to make you feel any better, but I want you to know what you could be dealing with at this point. All right, you know, if, right. if if you go back to the the guys that sold you the used car, uh, you know, I hate to point a finger, but you know, it's 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 just it just fits too easily, right? The pieces of the puzzle just fit too nice and neat. And you know, I think the reason that you've got the issue now is is because you had the issue when you bought it. You know, it, it it sounds like this is either a a case of trans fluid needs to be changed, or you're in all probability going to replace the trans. So the quest, yeah. so the questions become, all right, uh, you know, how mm-hmm. do you how do you deal with this, right? Do you do you keep going? Do you do you put this money into the car after you you know you've paid for it? I'm gonna guess and think there's probably a, a loan on the car yet.
6: No, I paid for it. Okay,
4: and what'd you would you pay for it? Do you remember, Mary Lou?
6: yeah 7000.
4: Okay, so you're 7000 in it. You've had it for what a year, 2 years? 9 months. 9 months. So the question becomes if it needs a trans and if it needed and the trans is $4000, would you put 4 grand worth of transmission in the car? No. Okay. Then get out of the car now and and okay. the and the reason I say that is because the first thing I would normally tell somebody is, roll the dice, change the trans fluid. A couple hundred bucks. Right. all right? The problem is it could aggravate the trans. Right. Tr- trans fluid has a temperamentalness to it in that it will uh, as it as it gets worn out, it it sort of loses its vitamin pack. It's like us, right? We, we take our vitamins, right. and if we don't take the right amount of vitamins, we get cranky, we get tired, we get run down, we're more susceptible to cold, et cetera. Transmissions are the same way. Transfluid has vitamins or additive packages put in it to help the fluid respond and work in today's in today's vehicle. And as that vitamin pack wears away on base fluid, like us on base vitamins, it wouldn't work so well. So, you know, at this mileage, you could try changing trans fluid but because in all likelihood the fluids just worn out I can I can tell you they probably told you the fluid was dark and beat up and ugly but the problem is changing it can aggravate the trans it can annoy it to the point that over a period of time it can cause trans failure so you know this decision comes down to a I don't know that I trust the guys you bought it from to get a to get an opinion on how to fix it B get a quote for a trans replacement, see what would it cost to change the fluid, and then decide how far do you want to go. I'm sorry to tell you that, Mary Lou. I wish you the best, and I hope it works out for you. I'm Ron Anini and The Car Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Welcome back, I'm Nanny, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, give us a call if we're on the air, which we are Saturdays, 2-4 to 4 p.m. East Coast time, Tom Ray will put you on and we can talk about your car and its problem, and here to do just that, Carl in Virginia Beach, Carl, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir, how can I hey. help you? Yes, sir.
2: how how you doing, Ron?
4: I'm doing great, man, how's things down Virginia Beach way?
2: going pretty well yeah. you know I can't complain everything's
4: pretty nice yeah. so. nice little town you know I was down there for the um, car show the remote car show the Virginia beach car show last November I think it was and okay uh, you know it was a nice nice stretch it um, it uh, it was a good time it was a fun time I'm gonna miss it this year and I'm disappointed in that but it's hard to travel right now with the world being the way it is and the coronavirus and all that stuff so um, I'll be there in spirit Absolutely. I promise yeah so but um yeah and great people yeah. wonderful people in Virginia Beach I can't say enough about them um, uh, and thank the, you yeah it's a strong car community yeah here. very strong car community and the food the one restaurant we went to well you guys and your you guys in your your clam sandwiches and your your lobster sandwiches <laughs> and everything else like Ush. you know I'd weigh about 400 pounds okay. if I lived down there it's like uh Oh my god. Anyway, um cars, that's what we're talking about, right? Food. I went into a food coma, Carl. Sorry, I so saw it was like a big flash of just went right in front of myself. Um what's going on with you in this truck, this fourteen Dodge RAM, how can I help?
2: Well, when I bought it it had um the OEM tires on there. They were two seventy five sixty R twenty, they're P rated tires. Right. Um I went ahead and upgraded to two eighty five sixty five R twenty. They're uh, LT tire, the BF Goodrich KO2s. Um, they're a little bit bigger and heavier, and they're better off-road for me personally. Right. But it's hard to figure out the right tire pressure to run. I've used a few online calculators, and I don't really like what I get back. Um, so I've been running a little higher than that. My only concern really is, I guess, the wheel. What the OEM wheels could hold as far as tire pressure, and I can't find that info anywhere at all. Um, I didn't know if there was kind of a default uh, tire pressure that OEM wheels are usually good to, or if there was a way that people were calculating their tire pressures for these aftermarket tires or any of that. You you know, know. I
4: got to tell you, 45 years of fixing cars, I've never had anybody bring up that as a point. I think that's... uh, Um, I, I think that's an excellent no I think that's an excellent question dude. I really do. So uh, the only thing I Thank can you. tell you is you know what I've seen in tire pressures with no failures if, if you get what I'm saying right all right yeah. so've I've personally had cars come in where the tire was rated for 35 pounds and it had mm-hmm. 90 and it had 98 pounds of air in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow! You know, and 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 the beauty part is the customer's complaint was the car rides hard; it needs shocks. <laughs> All right. Sure so, it does. So they didn't. They yep, didn't after. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And a kidney yeah,
2: belt, bouncing uh, that right thirty-pound uh, spring off a ninety-pound tire, right? Sure, it probably does need shock.
4: Yeah, so you know, it also yeah. needs a kidney belt, and you need you need a new headliner because your heads hit the <laughs> your heads hit the roof of the car so many times for every little pothole you hit. So that being said, yep. By door placard, what does the placard suggest as tire pressure?
2: Uh. 37 or 39, okay. somewhere in there, one of
4: those two. So, you know, the reason I ask that is because they consider tire pressure, tire size, a P rating. It's That tire's got a little more flex, right? It's a little bit of a softer sidewall than an LT. An LT is a, a little bit of a, a better ply or stronger ply tire, so it's going to give the truck more rigidity. I probably would start somewhere between 35 and 40, but then again, depending on the tire you put on it, what that tread pattern looks like, It's also a matter of how's that tire going to wear. All right? Yeah, Uh,
2: and so that was something I was noticing. And even the rolling resistance or weight of the tire, like I I could feel the dynamics at around 40 PSI just weren't exactly as much as I was hoping for out of the truck. So I I have gone up from there uh, closer to 50, but I'm not sure if I'm kind of pushing it there or...
4: I don't think so, and here's why. All right. There's one thing the lawyers get right and the engineers get right when they design a car. They have to make the parts that people can modify or available for people to modify. Is a bad word. They have to make them idiot proof because like the guy who right. put 98 pounds of air in his tires so many years ago and he didn't die. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see you adding 15 pounds of air to the stock pressure. And anything bad happening to you, I can't promise that, but it, it would be logical, right? Um, I, would right. Think, I would think the tire would blow off the wheel before the rim itself would actually fail. So, you know, that being said, unless, you know, are we in competition? Are we, you know, is Carl going to take his truck down to NASCAR and run it in the truck series? You know, what are we doing with this? Um, I, I think somewhere under 60 PSI, I, I don't even think I'd blink about it. And I'll say it like this. My plow truck, which is rated, it's a 10-ply tire rated for 80 PSI all the way around. I'll run, that mm-hmm. t- I'll run that tire as low as 55, depending upon the time of year, and I'll run it all the way up to 80 when it's fully loaded. So, you know, that variance in tire pressure, I think the 0-100 to 100 number is probably a fair, safe guess. And I, I, right. I, I, I've got no proof of that. I can just tell you a gut call from 45 years of fixing cars. I haven't seen it as an issue. Whenever we modify tire size or, or tire, you know, LT to a P or P to an LT, et cetera, or, you know, a, a C rating to a 10 ply, you know, how does the tire wear? Good, bad, you know, smooth, you know, outside edge wear, inside edge wear. And, and how does it feel? Does it bounce? Now you've got tire. You got a TPMS system on this truck too, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, are you going to modify the system? Are you going to change the setting? Well,
2: I haven't changed anything there because I'm running above the the OEM numbers right now. Okay. So, so I kind of figured, you know, as long as if if a tire drops below you know 35 pounds or whatever, it's still going to alert me, and that's probably a, a a reasonable time to know, you and, know,
4: and keep it. Well, keep this in mind. TPMS systems, most of the ones I've had experience with, will also alert you if the pressure goes too high.
2: Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I, ha- I have. I
4: have honestly, seen that. Where, you know, they'll be, be, you know, on TPMS vehicles, the car that had 98 was a non-TPMS car. But I have seen cars where, you know, the system's rated for 35 and they've got 65 pounds of air in the tires. All day long, that car will set off Mm -hmm. a TPMS fault. Hondas do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've had that experience with General Motors products. I've had that experience with Ford products. So I I, I know it can happen. So... Now, now in order to recalibrate the system, if if your system can be recalibrated, talk to your mechanic. There are certain TPMS tools on the market today that allow you to go in and set your own user definable parameters for TPMS. But obviously you've got to find that range of where you want your tire pressure to be.
2: Yeah, thank you. That's a good, uh, that's a very good uh, thing for me to look into. I have a uh Diablo Sport intern that I use on the truck and I might even look through that and see if it has settings for yeah, the, and if it the does
4: system. right if it does do that hey I'll, I'll I'll tell you what Carl stay on the line Tom's giving me the thumbs up you're going to be getting our $25 O'Reilly gift card today Courtesy of the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Find more information about O'Reilly Auto Parts at OReillyAuto.com. We want to send that out your way. Stay on the line so Tom can get your information. And uh, you use that. Buy yourself something nice for the truck. And uh, um, if applicable, happy Father's Day, brother. You have yourself a good time down there, Virginia Beachway. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor here. We're uh, uh, we're here at 9900 zero nine nine zero zero. Mr. Ray wants me. Yes, Mr. Ray. What can I do for you?
2: Oh, I know I'm going to regret this, but uh oh, why don't you tell your Father's Day story?
4: Hmm. Oh, you really want to hear this, huh?
2: Well, no. You see, I have this button here. I can shut you off, but uh, I think the listeners might want to hear you.
4: Well, and it's actually a true story. Um, okay, we were talking about this, and I think I've I think I've relayed this story once before. But since it is Father's Day, we'll kind of talk about dads, right? Memories of dad. Well, I had I had two dads in my life. Obviously, my father who passed away when I was eleven, and I remember my dad. Uh, y- you know, his he taught me uh, mechanics in a sense. I mean, he was gone way too early before I actually started working on cars. But he, for some reason, you know, the difference between my brother and I was I was the one he plopped on the fender of the car and I watched him work on the car. It was a 63 Lincoln uh, Continental. My father was, we didn't have money. It was, you know, 1967. We're working on 63 Lincolns, which at that point was an old car, right? It It was a, you know, it was an old car. It wasn't like today. And, you know, it helped him tune it up before the vacations. And I learned my fractions as a result of my father you know, telling me, go get the nine sixteenths wrench, go get the three eighths wrench. And, um, you know, I learned my math at a very young age. I was probably seven or eight years old at the point. And, uh, that's probably one of my best father's day memories. Um, that, and, uh, you know, my dad teaching me to drive, I think I was five when he plopped me between his, uh, you know, sitting on his seat between his legs. And I kind of sat up and I, took the steering wheel and I couldn't reach the pedals and he would work the clutch and I would move the shift. It was an old Volvo and I would steer the car. And I really was steering the car down Kinderkamack road in Oradell, New Jersey. It, uh, I hope that's not illegal. I hope I can tell that story. But anyway, that was my dad. And then he was gone, right? I was 11 and my father passed very early and uh, you know, no father figures. And then along came my future father-in-law, Don and uh, the Duke, as we called him had a Maserati. Now you know I was nineteen years old and I was a little brash and I wasn't the calm, socially capable individual you guys get to hear and talk and listen to every week, ha, right? Ha
6: ha ha Yeah, and
4: I, you know, and I was, you know, I was a, I was a, I was a car guy, real hardcore, right? Black leather jacket, blue jeans, big Frank Zappa boots, long sideburns, long hair, probably horrible pictures if there's any of them out there. And I would show up every day to take out this gentleman's daughter. You know, it was we were dating and. It wasn't a great relationship at first. You know, it was the first year was a little bit of a struggle. Um, not quite Archie Bunker in the meathead, but, you know, close to that, like he tolerated me. And I showed up one day, about a year in, and I hear the Maserati. He had a 74 Maserati Mirac, yellow. I can see that car like it's yesterday. And it's cranking away in the garage and it won't start. And I turned the corner. And there's the Duke and he's all, you know, he's got his, you know, sunglasses on and his little beret and, you know, the scarf starched going straight back at 200 miles an hour. And he's trying to get this car to start. It won't start. Hey, uh, what's going on? Um, you know, he says, oh, what are you here for? Take Sue out. You know, it's a date. Oh, your car won't start. He had just had it serviced. He had just taking it to the guy in Edgewater, New Jersey, whoever that was. And this is 1978, 1979. And he had spent, I remember the number, it was 800 bucks. He had spent 820 bucks, had it tuned up service, washed, waxed. And when they washed it, um, you know, then they gave him the car back. So he brought it home, he took a shower, he was getting ready to go out for a ride. This was his, you know, this was his hot rod and it wouldn't start. And he told me the whole story, and I started thinking about it. And I noticed on a Maserati, the engine, it was a mid-engine vehicle. And I couldn't help but notice how the ignition wires were all exposed. And I said, I wonder if when they washed it, did they cover any of this up? Because I'm sure some you know, some dopey kid, the, the, the car wash attendant or whoever, uh, wasn't paying attention. And where'd the water go? I said, you know, Duke, it sounds like it's not getting spark. Now, in the midst of all this, my, my girlfriend, my future wife at the time, comes out hey i'm ready for the date get back in the house we're working on the car right away i knew i was like this i was in and i had to fix it though and i took the distributor cap off it was filled with water it had just you know soaked through over time In the time it took him to get home and i wiped it out put it together fired right up and out to the highway we go third gear 115 miles an hour up route 208 in the fog I was mesmerized. It was the most unbelievable experience. And he looked over at me and he goes, Two more to go. What do you say? It was like, you know, who's that cartoon? yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like you're like you're an idiot. You're intoxicated by the speed. And um, you know, just 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 a great time. So he uh, and that was my second father figure. That's my second father's day story. Of course, there is the story in the family. I wasn't in the car at the time when the Duke was taking my my future brother-in-law john up to school in tilton new hampshire and he got pulled over somewhere in massachusetts on the mass pike uh clocked at 143 miles an hour and uh, the way johnny told the story was he says yeah he says i couldn't figure it out dad handed the guy his license and two fifty dollar bills and got the license back and no ticket i couldn't figure out what happened and i just went yeah okay i'll explain it to you when you're older anyway That's Father's Day with the car doctor. I hope yours is just as good as mine, and uh, if you've got a story, bring it up on air. Let's pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron Ananian. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor. Let's do some email real quick. Hey, Ron, this comes to us from John. Hey, Ron, I'm looking for a thermal imager, a thermal image camera. What brand do you use in your shop? Pros and cons. Always John Francis. John, you know what? Um, we actually use two. I've worked with three. We use two. We use the Snap-on version thermal imager. Nice tool. Um, I think it's a little bit, got a little bit of a higher price point than most. Uh, one of the things that they their claim to fame is you can store your images offline and up in the cloud if you have you know you're paying your subscription, which to me has added cost to the tool because I don't know that you use the tool that much. All right. So if I'm comparing apples to apples. I would probably prefer the Launch. Launch Tech USA also makes a thermal imager, the 201 thermal imager. It's got a nice flip-up screen, so it protects the front. It gives you more color variation, and the screen is much clearer and much more precise in the ability to pinpoint what it is you're actually able to or what you're actually trying to zoom in on. They also give you the ability to save the files, and there's no subscription fees. So to me, it's more cost-effective. You can find more information online at launchtechusa.com. Take a look at that. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor, looking up, saying, "Hey, it's time to go." Till the next time, each time, every time, for the best time. Good mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See ya.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.